Morning, guys. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Exciting news. Let me start with that right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Exciting news. Fish camp next weekend. <laughs> this fish week. camp this weekend. This excuse week. me. This weekend. <laughs> it's going to be the next weekend. But it's going like to give exciting like news. Tomorrow. Don't mess it up. Tomorrow. Fish camp. All right. right. That's it. Fish right. camp this weekend. Exciting news. Men's Roundtable has been meeting here at Vertical Church. We're so thankful for Ben Derrick to host us. Amen. Amen. Yo. Yo, Ben. Guys, for those of you that are meeting here, the exciting news is in two weeks, we'll be back at Ceasefire. Two weeks back yeah. at Ceasefire. We've got another week here at Vertical Church. Then we'll be back at Ceasefire. Let me do let me do remind you this. Those who are watching online uh, and then are here in the room, when we return to Ceasefire, please, just like we've been with here with Ben, let's be respectful of their criteria, rules, and regulations that they may have in the building. And I'm going to start out by saying now, men's roundtable is a community. It's a place for us to gather. It's a place for us to fellowship. And when we typically leave men's roundtable, we gather and continue in small groups fellowshipping. At Ceasefire, we're going to ask that you leave the building, go to the parking lot, go to coffee shop, go somewhere else, and continue that fellowship if you'd like to. Just a couple of rules and regulations. We'll have more about that next week and uh, in the coming week to, as we return to Ceasefire. But so thankful for that. We continue in the series to the promised land. It's not fair. We're returning. Did you say something, Joe? Nope. <clears throat> Just up here MCing for you, all Joe. Right, that's okay. all. All right. Throw me the ball. We continue in the series to the promised land. While we may be Israelites longing to return to ceasefire going back to Egypt, we will go to the promised land. We're going home. We're going home. We're going home. We are going home. Guys, it's 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 exciting just to be here. It's exciting to see the men in this in this room. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> We've been cooped up too long. <laughs> I mean, the children are at play. L little punchy this morning, aren't we? Yeah, we are a little bit. We are a little bit. Guys, it's just great to have you all here. And I'm looking forward to, to being back at Ceasefire. I know there are guys that will travel to Ceasefire that just feel like this is a little bit too far to go. So let me ask you this. In the next two weeks, if you will, think about guys that you sat next to that were at Ceasefire you may not have seen here. Reach out to them in the coming days and tell them we're going to be back at Ceasefire. Let's try to get them back with us. Try to bring them back in the fold. That would be a great thing to do. With that, let me open us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for Ben Derrick and Vertical Church for the hospitality that they have extended to us. And Lord, we thank you that they continue to do that next week and until we're able to go back to ceasefire. Lord, I thank you for my brothers that are gathered here. I thank you for those that are watching online and those that will watch the recorded message. Thank you for Jeff and Jeff in providing this way of us getting together through Zoom, internet, whatever the process is that brings us all together. I thank you for Chris doing the sheet each week, bringing us the material that Phil's going to teach on. And thank you for Phil and his preparedness. Lord, more than anything else, 
I thank you for your position on the cross, taking my sin and the sin of the world upon you, reconciling me with God the Father. May we never forget that. Mm. May you be with us this morning. In your name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Morning, gentlemen. I have a song for you this morning. Uh, as we continue our uh, series on Joshua uh, and then using the uh, metaphor of the land uh, as a metaphor for our um, securing manhood, the, uh, the topic that we're looking at is being a dad. And um, most of us in this room are privileged um, to hold that title, uh, to hold that role. And um, I want to offer you a song this morning. Um, by that great gospel singer, Conway Twitty. And um, look on your notes, and let me just read just a portion of this song. Um, and I hope that you'll reflect on the responsibility and the privilege of uh, being a father. I woke up crying late at night when I was very young. I had dreamed my father had passed away and gone. My world revolved around him. I couldn't lie there anymore. So I made my way down the mirrored hall and tapped upon his door. And I said, Daddy, I'm so afraid. How will I go on with you gone that way? Don't want to cry anymore, so may I stay with you? And he said, that's my job. That's what I do. Everything I do is because of you. To keep you safe with me, that's my job, you see. Offer you this song this morning, kind of reflect on the wounds that your father may have created in you and when he wasn't there in the way that he needed to be and that you needed him to be. Uh, and you may want to reflect on um, evaluating and assessing how you're doing as a father, whether you have grown children and, and grandchildren uh, or you're still struggling with those five and six year olds. May you hear the voice of God and may you open your heart to what he has for us this morning. I was very young I had dreamed my father Had passed away and gone My world revolved around him I couldn't lie there anymore So I made my way Down the mirrored hall And tapped upon his door and I said, Daddy, I'm so afraid How will I go on with you gone that way? Don't want to cry anymore So may I stay with you And he said, that's my job That's what I do Steve. 
teenage boy and he Most of the fights it seems were over different dreams We each held for me He wanted knowledge and learning I wanted to fly out west I said I could make it out there If I just had the fare I got half, will you loan me the rest? And I said, Daddy, I'm so afraid There's no guarantee in the plans I've made And if I should fail, who will pay my way back home? And he said, that's my job That's privilege to be a father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we uh, read our opening paragraph, and let's dig in. Joshua, take the land, be the man. The book of Joshua is the book of conquest. The battlefield is Canaan, and it is where God keeps his promise that he made with Abraham. In this study, we will use the land possessed by Joshua and the people of Israel as a metaphor to understand how we take possession of what it means to be a Christian man. 
We will examine 10 issues that men face every day. Each day is a battle to be faced with courage, strength, and faith. You must be courageous, will you? And the issue that we're uh, looking at today is issue number five of the 10. Um, And it's the idea of fatherhood, children, being the dad that your children need, uh, being the grandfather. Um, And even if you're not a dad um, this morning, most likely you've got uh, nieces and nephews uh, in your life. You could be an incredible influence on a child, even if you're not a father by title and by position. I want you to pick up your pen, and um, I have three questions for you. And uh, really, I have four because I because because I want to ask you a, a question that's not on the list. There, we always start with journaling. Um, it's what we all uh, need to be doing every morning, and so we're here, kind of starting uh, the day together. So the question that I want to ask you to journal uh, this morning is what walls are confronting you in your life right now? Um, What would you like to be removed from your life that maybe God has put in your life, a relationship, a circumstance, a personal uh, physical ailment? Um, I had a um, person in my office uh, this week, that came to see me and uh, announced uh, that they were diagnosed with cancer and the prognosis was they had three to five years to live. And when they announced that to me, it it sent shivers down my spine. And they're sitting in front of me uh, telling me that they're having difficulty going through the day because they just keep crying and they can't figure out why they're crying. It's like, I'm ready to start crying, right? It's like, duh. uh. Uh, It's like, I understand why you're crying. And it's like, um, what walls would you wish that would be removed? Write that down. Identify it. So identifying uh, that wall is what we'll look at through um, our passage in Joshua. The other question that I I want you to consider relative to this idea of um, being a father is what did you get from your father? What would you say would be the gift that you got from your father? I would have to say that uh, Papal is, is known in my life, who is 94. Um, he gave me a work ethic. Um, I knew what it meant to get up and go to work, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. That's what he was about in many ways. And, and I appreciate that model as a faithfulness. I mean, you know, he wasn't laying around the house 
where's daddy? And, and mom would say, well, he's in there asleep on the sofa. No, <laughs> that didn't happen at my house. Uh, he was at work. He was at work. And I appreciate that. Second question, what, what have you given your children? And those of you who are not dads yet, what would you say you would want to give your children? What would you want to give? You know, I would, I, I would, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to ask my girls uh, how they would answer that question. Cause that's always the best source. Um, but I, but I would have to say that my girls know without a shadow of a doubt that they are deeply loved. Uh, I've, um, I think I've been pretty good at expressing that just got back from Dallas this past weekend, made a quick trip out there to, help Audrey uh, move into a new office. Um, Mama had to be there to decorate, you know. I was the Uber driver all the way to Dallas, so that's the way that works. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, of course not. Of course, you know, the Uber drivers are supposed to, it's just supposed to show up on their account, I guess, so my, my, maybe it'll show up on my account. So. Yeah, as a debit. <laughs> Thank you, Joe, for that clarification. That's right, as a debit. Third question. Um, and this is how you wind up in my office. This is how you wind up at deer camp. How were you wounded by your father? It's always funny to me when somebody responds to that question, it's like, well, I, I had a great dad. I, I, I don't have any father wounds. Well, that tells me two things. One, it tells me that you're unaware um, and it also tells me that you don't know your dad very well. Two things. Because you were wounded. Again, as, as Carla, uh, my wife, likes to say, some people got hit by bicycles, some people got hit by trucks, and some people got hit by trains. But everybody got hit. Everybody. So, you know, uh, I've always said I fully expect my girls to be in counseling. I just don't want to have to pay for it. <laughs> You know, I want to pass that bill on to somebody else, you know, that's the way that works. So with that consideration, and again, um, you know, we just keep encouraging, you've got to be journaling, you got to be journaling, write your life, write your life, write your life. Questions. Great men ask great questions, and you never grow beyond your questions. Keep asking questions. So let's dig in. Um, God always uh, gives us a model. Um, any, the way we learn anything is having models. And our model uh, that we're looking at through Scripture is the model of Joshua in order to help us be a man. I recently, um, I, I drove home from uh, Dallas on Sunday morning by myself with uh, Ginger, the rat terrier, she wasn't happy, and I wasn't happy. Um, she was tolerating me, and I was tolerating her. Uh, Carla stayed in Dallas and uh, flew home yesterday. Um, and uh, I listened to a sermon um, on Joshua 6 uh, that we're looking at um, uh, today. And as he started out, I was so captured by his uh, introduction, and he, and he said, he said, you know, Joshua is, is the book of manliness, and we as men 
need to be reading through Joshua once a year at the very least. Well, he, he actually said, I, I should be preaching through the book every year. So most of us aren't preachers. I'm certainly not a preacher. Um, you know, I'm um, glad to be facilitating our time, but, I, but I'm no preacher. But it's like Joshua is a book that we need to be reading. So let's uh, pick up, and, and, and I actually want to pick up in uh, Joshua chapter 5, because what we read, uh, and we read last week at the end of 6, um, ties in, or at the end of 5, ties into 6. So follow with me as we pick up in verse 13, Joshua 5. And then this, while Joshua was, was there near Jericho, he looked up, and saw right in front of him a man standing, holding his drawn sword. Joshua stepped up to him and said, Whose side are you on, ours or our enemies? It's interesting <laughs> that Joshua's mindset uh, was, Whose side are you on? You know, it, it's like, Are you on my side the or, or, or the bad guys? And um, listen to how this uh, person responds. He said, neither. I'm commander of God's army. So it's like, wrong question. I'm neither for you or for the enemy. Isn't that an interesting answer to that? And of course, you know, Joshua must have been thinking, as I would have certainly been thinking, well, who in the world are you then? What are you? I'm commander of God's army. I've just arrived. And Joshua fell face to the ground and worshiped. He asked, what orders does my master have for his servant? Now, I spent three long years in seminary. I did. Uh, at one time, I could read Hebrew. At one time, I could read Greek. At this point, I could not give you the Hebrew alphabet, nor could I give you the Greek alphabet, Ben. Ben's a lot smarter than I am. I, I, I begged my uh, Hebrew professor to teach us the cheat Hebrew, to use the tools, and he said, no, we don't do that here. And I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to learn that on my own. But one of the things about this episode is uh, we call this a theophany. Now, that's a seminary-type word. John, you remember what theophany is? It's an appearance of God. This is not an angel. You know why we know this is not an angel? Because through Scripture, there are in, in, um, episodes where men would uh, be confronted by an angel, and men would, would worship, and the angel would say, get up. Angels do not receive worship. This creature received worship. A theophany is an appearance of God. God appeared to Joshua in the form of this commander. Uh, how did God appear to Moses? Burning bush, right? So this commander appears to Joshua. Joshua immediately worships him. He's being confronted by God. And God's army commander ordered Joshua, take your sandals off your feet, the place you are standing is holy. And what did Joshua do? 
took his sandals off. <laughs> Joshua did it. He was confronted by God. Moving down to chapter 6 then. Now, again, keep in mind uh, that when Scripture was written, there's not chapters and verses. So this would have just been a continual uh, 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 transcript, uh, manuscript. And, and that's important because of what we begin to read here in Joshua 6. Jericho was shut up tight as a drum because of the people of Israel, because of the people of Israel. Now, get that. What God had done in leading them across the Jordan River and parting the Jordan like he did the Red Sea, and the reputation of the children of Israel had so intimidated uh, those um, in Jericho and others, man, people were scared to death. We heard of this. You know, it's kind of like in Knoxville these days. Alabama comes to town. Holy cow, dude. We're getting ready to get kicked, and not in a good way. God spoke to Joshua. Now, who do you think was speaking at that point? God spoke to Joshua. Guys, I would suggest to you that that was the commander right there. This is one continual conversation. So the commander of God's army is still in conversation. There's not that break in, at the end of chapter 6 to cha- uh, 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 chapter 5 and 6. That may be in your that is in your Bible, but it's like this commander of the army speaks to Joshua. He says, "Look sharp now! I've already given Jericho to you, along with its king and its elite forces. Here's what you are to do: march around the city, all your soldiers, circle the city once, repeat this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven rams' horn trumpet." in front of the chest. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times, the priests blowing away on the trumpets, and then a long blast on the ram's horn. When you hear that, all the people are to shout at the top of their lungs, and the city wall will collapse at once. And all the people are to enter, every man straight on in. Now, that's, that's an amazing, I mean, close your eyes and imagine. Here's Jericho. They're already, all the people are scared to death. I mean, it's not like, you know, 12 guys out there. It's not like 20 guys. I mean, there's hundreds, thousands have circled this city. And everybody in Jericho has heard of the God of Israel, and they are locked in and scared to death. And then all of a sudden, all these people start, they start marching around the city every morning, day one, day two. Hey, hey, they're at it again, day three, day four, day five, day six. Well, you know, they marched around, went home. Maybe they're just going to keep doing this. And all of a sudden on day seven, March around, march around, march around. It's like, oh, my goodness, dude, dude, look out here, man. They've been marching all morning. They keep marching, marching around seven times. Later on in the passage, they, they shout. And Joshua said, nobody speak a word. He, he said, first of all, he said, don't shout. In fact, 
don't even say a word. It's kind of like what Joe was said. When we move back over to ceasefire in two weeks, it's like everybody don't shout, just leave. Just walk back out in the parking lot. Now, hopefully, uh, Chuck, the, the walls won't fall down. Mr. Jimmy, we, 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 we promise that that won't happen, but we are going to leave silently. Um, and they blow the trumpets and the ram's horn, and the walls of Jericho fall. Wouldn't it be great if that which seems to be a wall to you, my friend with cancer that was given a three to five year prognosis, it would all go away. I've heard of that happening, haven't you? Our good friend Tim Atkinson fought for three long years or maybe three short years. And God took him home. Many of you know uh, Lacey um, Travis. I, I can't remember Lacey's um, last name. What is it? Matt. Matt's right. Brad and uh, Lacey have been fighting uh, Lacey's cancer and uh, brain cancer, and she's healed. She went home to be with the Lord uh, two days ago, uh, John. Known the Travis family for a long time. Known uh, Lacey when she was just a little girl. And uh, sad and rejoicing at the same time. God's answered our prayers. 39 years old, yeah, 39 years old, mother of four. The walls have fallen. Uh, I, I always, you know, kind of in my own life, in others' life, uh, you know, kind of um, squirm a little bit when somebody says, you know, why doesn't God answer prayer? I think he does. <laughs> I, th I think what's really being said there is why doesn't God answer the prayer the way I want him to answer it? That's, that's what's the rest of that sentence. But God answers prayer. Walls fall. Walls fall. Jump over with me. We won't read the whole chapter. Jump over with me to verse 15. When the seventh day came... They got up early and marched around the city the same way, but seven times. Yes, this day they circle the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua signaled the people, Shout! And God was, has given you the city, the city and everything in it under a holy curse, and offered up to God. Except for Rahab the harlot, she is to live, she and everyone in her house with her, because she had hid the agents we sent. We read about Ahab, of course, in chapter 2, the Gentile uh, whore, harlot. Uh, she and her family were saved because they trusted and believed in the God of Israel. As for you, watch yourselves in the city under a holy curse. Be careful that you don't covet anything in it and take something that's cursed, endangering the camp of Israel with the curse and making trouble for everyone. All silver and gold, all vessels of bronze and iron are holy to God. Put them in God's treasury. Now, guys, this is very critical. Don't miss this. This is a kingdom principle. Because what, this is the first battle uh, that the children of Israel fight. And God is telling them, don't you take any of this, but the, but the critical valuables go to me. What's he saying there? 
That's the principle of first fruits. That's the principle of first fruits. That, that which you own and I own, we don't really own it. Isn't everything we have been given to us by God? And God's saying, I mean, it's like God doesn't need a pile of gold and bronze. No, but he's saying this is first battle. And as we go on through Joshua, he lets them keep all the plunder that wasn't to be destroyed. But this is the first, this first fruits. How do you operate in your own life? You know, well, come to the end of the year and see if there's any extra and throw God a, you know, a little bit. Uh -uh. This is first fruits, first fruits. God, God needs to be worshipped and honored by that which we give. The priests blew the trumpets, and when the people heard the blast of the trumpets, they gave a thunderclap shout, and the wall fell at once. The people rushed straight into the city and took it. This is an amazing thing. I don't know what walls you have. I have walls in my own life that I'm praying for. You can, you know, some, sometime when I'm dead and gone, you can read my journals. That'll be a boring day, you know. But there's things that I write in my journal every day that, I, that I'm praying for. Uh, just like there's things in your life that there, there are walls. It's a metaphor. What if those walls fail? And I've seen God bring down many walls in my life. I wouldn't be standing before you uh, today if he hadn't crushed many walls. And then, and then this is a troubling passage for many. This next verse, verse 21, they put everything in the city under the holy curse, killing man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey. How can a loving God do that? Well, it's because, you know, the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. Dude, that, I mean, that is ridiculous. I mean, that drives me crazy when I hear that. No, the Scripture is very clear. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's just that what we see in the Old Testament is very clear indicators that God will bring judgment on sin. He will in your life and in my life and others. And we just see it in very real terms. And then we see in, in very real terms in the New Testament, the beauty of grace when God restores all through the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus. But God has not changed. It's just we see him more graphically in the Old Testament, and he will bring judgment on sin in your life, my life, and others. And he shows that he means business through this. Bring down those walls. Bring down those walls. I want to show you a clip, just as a way, kind of a metaphor. But I can't teach this passage without showing this clip. This is, this is pretty cool. Watch this. Many conservatives thought that Reagan had been charmed by Gorbachev, and Reagan actually had more problem dealing with his hard right than he did the left. 
So Reagan had to constantly let the right know, I know what I'm doing. Reagan was being accused already of getting soft on communism, but he hadn't forgotten the problems we still had. Europe is still divided. There was still a Berlin Wall. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable, that would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It was perfect. It was beautiful. And he had to insist on keeping it in the speech. And he did it. Don't let anybody tell you it was a staffer or anybody else that did that. Meanwhile, in the Soviet Union, Gorbachev decides to do something bold. And he says, let's separate SDI from reducing the nuclear stockpile. Once he does this, it opens up the possibility for a third summit. Inspiration from this story in Jericho of, of how God breaks down walls. And certainly Ronald Reagan was not God by any means, but Ronald Reagan was a great leader that challenged those that were holding people in captivity, in a sense. And because of his courage and his leadership, walls came tumbling down. How about your walls in others in your life? How about if you stood up as Joshua did, as Ronald Reagan or another, many other leaders that we could talk about, and you led your family, your life in such a way that you would be willing to pray for, pray with walls to come tumbling down. That's how life is intended to work. God breaks down those walls. This idea of Joshua being our model, he gives us the, uh, the, the commander that confronts Joshua. Joshua's willing to listen to orders. Uh, he sees walls coming down, and he's involved in a war to honor God. And through his model, we learn how to be men. And this morning, uh, what, I, what I'm offering you is a template to evaluate your own fatherhood by. Um. The idea of the blessing is where I would start. If, if I'm sitting down and I'm assessing uh, whether or not I'm a good father or how to be a good father, the first thing that I would do is I would begin to understand the Jewish blessing. And the Jewish blessing, as Gary Chapman and John Trent wrote a book called The Blessing. If you've not read that book and you want to understand it in a deeper way, it's a great book. Uh, details what the Jewish blessing is. Five pieces. Meaningful touch. Um, we, we need to be hugging our children. I don't care if they're 40 years old or four years old. Physical touch. When was the last time you hugged your son or your daughter? Spoken words. They need to hear you speak. God forbid that my girls would not hear my voice in their head. Sweetheart, you're going to hear my voice in your head. Word pictures of high value. Give them a metaphor. You're like a beautiful princess. Pictures of sp a special future. When I look at your life, I see you really uh, loving life. Give them a picture and uh, uh, paint that 
through your words, and then a commitment, an involvement to see the blessing fulfilled. As I've told you many times here, I have made it a habit of writing cards to my girls uh, through through their life. They're adult young women now, and they've got shoe boxes full of cards on all the major holidays and on their birthday. And I don't care if you're a, a, a father to a son or a daughter, they need to have the written word to them. That's, that's what scripture is. And I, I'll get a card and I'll just write in all the blank spaces. I don't just say, you know, get a card and let Hallmark say the words. And I go, love that. No, no. I, I had one guy that he would buy a Hallmark card. He wouldn't even sign it here. Man, he was such a sweetheart. Goodness. Of course, that's how he wound up in my office, you know. Um, I want to show you just one clip um, here. To me, you know, in all of moviedom, to me, um, is just um, a fatherhood memory. Um, it's out of October Sky, uh, the movie that's uh, based on um, Homer Hickman's life, true story. Um, he was one of the uh, early Nassau uh, scientists and uh, was raised in West Virginia, coal miner family. Um, my uh, grandfather and my uh, great-grandfather were coal miners uh, that moved from Virginia down into East Tennessee. So when I saw this movie, it's just like, you know, I'm not nearly as smart as Homer Hickman uh, by any means. But man, this is this is my story. This is my story. And I, I want you to watch this scene. And Homer's excited about what's going on. And I want you to watch how this is handled and how dad handles this. I, I love my dad. And I feel the pain of the wounds that I've received from my dad in this scene. Watch this. Homer Hickman. Yeah, Homer, something up here. Hey, Dad. Hey, Homer. I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate what you did for me. I know it wasn't easy for you, so thank you. Hey, uh, we're shooting off our last rocket day at 5 o'clock, so if you'd like to come see it. I got a lot of work to do. All right. Well, I just thought I'd ask. Here you met your big hero. Didn't even know it. Look. I know you and me don't exactly see eye to eye on certain things. I mean, yeah, we don't see eye to eye on just about anything. But, Dad, I come to believe that I got it in me to be somebody in this world. And, and it's not because I'm so different from you either. It's because I'm the same. I mean, I can be just as hard-headed and just as tough. I only hope I can be as good a man as you are. I mean, sure, Dr. Von Braun's a great scientist. But he isn't my hero.
I've had that conversation in my head and face to face and been angry and <laughs> frustrated and, you know, just, just want to feel loved by my dad. And guys, there's not a man in this room that doesn't want to hear from his dad. I'm proud of you. I love you. That's the blessing. And guys, don't miss an opportunity. I don't care, again, how old your kids are. They need to hear from their daddy. The template that I would just leave you with, uh, Jeff's got the, uh, the notes there. You can look these notes up. But it is, it is, a, is a template um, uh, to, uh, to assess your life uh, as a father. The blessing, um, growing in maturity yourself. How are you growing? That's the best thing you can offer your son or your daughter. You give them structure to live. Moms are more nurturers. Dads are more structured generally. And then love their mom. And guys, I, uh, there's a number of our men in this room that are divorced, and divorce is not the uh, 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 unpardonable sin by any means. And sometimes divorce is the best thing. The redemptive divorce is a book that's out, and it's great. So there's no shame in divorce. But I'm telling you, if you are divorced, uh, you don't speak uh, ill of, of, of their mother even then. Mm-mm. You button that up because that pull that that destroys the kids. It, it, it's emotional cancer to them. It puts them in the middle and they don't deserve that. Um, and then be responsible. Teach your children to be responsible, which means independence. Don't make them dependent. God's given us a beautiful template uh, pattern uh, through Joshua. And all through Joshua, it's about courageous bravery, courageous. Life is hard. Life is hard. And one of the roles that many of us have is the role of a father. Be courageous. Be courageous. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, so much for this morning. Um. Thank you for the privilege of being a father. Thank you for being uh, our father, heavenly father, holy father. We love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Yeah.